Welcome everyone to the 81st episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. What's up, man? <laughs> I'm good. Was a good was an interesting opening week uh, on the markets today. A lot of crazy news. So um, especially the conversation we just had uh, the other day related to central banking and monetary policies and CBDCs and then all of a sudden seeing how today every everybody started talking about what central banks are about to do what they think they might do what they believe they might do and there's that whole and it's you you're seeing the market i don't think it it's figured out what it's to, it needs to do in the short term yet so it's um it's it's getting interesting again well it's funny because uh i think the market kind of just was flat but it rallied a little bit towards the end and then last week we saw a massive push so it kind of begs the question as to what, like where is all this money actually coming from mm -hmm. you know what i mean and um we had a gentleman on about two years ago and it was a good a little introduction into price discovery for precious metals um but i think a lot has changed in the last two years and he made he made a pretty interesting uh comment about you know life is like a roll of toilet paper it's like you don't really know where it's going until you look down and you're like oh my god it's 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 a great <laughs> time's just <laughs> passing by at this point so um welcome back andy Schachtman, uh president of miles franklin precious metals how you doing man good to see you guys good to see you. it was nice to see you in person in uh, vancouver a few weeks ago and of course yeah man time just has been like in a vacuum uh and that toilet paper analogy, it's like it's life, you know, when you're young or you're in the thick of it, you don't notice the passage of time or the passage of the toilet paper. And then you look down and you start to realize that it's spinning faster and faster and faster. Where the hell did all the time go? But you see the rolls getting closer. And it's kind of, I think, analogous to a lot of what's happening in, the, in this world. Things are, are spinning faster and you can feel like we're getting to that moment, you know, to, to the cardboard, something's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to have to change the system, maybe a great reset or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. But I think one of the things that has been most intriguing to me when I'm laying in bed at night is just thinking the last three years have been a blur, mm -hmm. you know, living in Minnesota a few years ago, I lived there for 50 years. I live in Florida now, but you know, 2020, it was 18, 20 hours a day working nonstop, never leaving my house, but to go for walks in the middle of a pandemic. And it's just a blur. And since then, even as we've come out of that crazy craziness, uh, it, it just seems to have never slowed down. And things that are so absurd in, in the news, um, to me, would have been dominated the, the storyline Years ago, now there's one of these stories every day, every hour, something out there just blows my mind. And so there's always lots of stuff to talk about these days and great to come back and uh, unfold things with you. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, I think, I think it definitely beats a red eye out of Vancouver, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, especially. it certainly does. It certainly does. You know, I, I got home that next morning, Dan, and said to my wife, hey, where's my computer? Oh, shit, I left it in the, uh, in the tray. You know, we flew from Vancouver to Toronto, We'd get off the plane at five in the morning, and I'm half asleep. And uh, I guess it's okay to say this because it's legal in Canada. Someone gave me a gummy bear 
to help me <laughs> sleep well that night. My wife said, don't do it. You're going to be stupid. I said, no, I'm not. And uh, evidently I was stupid. I left my <laughs> laptop in the tray in security in Toronto. I did get it back. Here it is right here. Oh, thank God. You I, know, thought I sent them. They said, are there any identifying markings on it? I said, it's got to be the only one that says, I love gold. I love gold. So, <laughs> of course. They sent it back to me for $55 shipping fee. But yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles, the joy of traveling these days, right? But it's all good. It was it was definitely nice to see you guys there and, and, course, uh, and uh, reconnect. Yeah. Likewise. And we made it back in one piece. So that's really yeah, exactly. good. We did. Right on. So, so to begin, we want to just take a, a little step back and first ask you this is one for the people that are basically new to the audience or have never met you just wanted to get a little quick, you know, what is miles Franklin, what you do there. And then we want to go a little into the point of view on your side in terms of, you know, the premiums and how things have been looking over the last two years. And just to get your take on from the inside, because, you know, you, you're a big player in the industry. Appreciate that. So, um, geez, it's, it's 34 years this month, uh, my father and I started this company. I came on a, maybe six months after he started the company in 1989. I came on in February of 1990. I was a young kid. I was 20 years old, barely. And uh, it's been a, quite a ride. 34 years, uh, $8 billion in, in total sales without ever having a customer complaint. Uh, one of only 27 U.S. Mint authorized resellers in the world. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, worldwide exclusives with Brinks. We're so proud of our reputation and the things that we've achieved. But when I moved to Florida, I left my corporate office in Minneapolis because the state of Minnesota does not care about our great reputation. They're the only state in America that regulates what is a federally non-regulated industry. And although I would have saved money in taxes by moving my entire entity to Florida, I left it there because we're held to a higher standard and we are licensed, we are bonded, we are background checked every single year, everyone in the company, myself included. And if anyone had a felony related to anything in the realm of financial services, we would forever or they would forever be disqualified in the state of Minnesota. It was the state of Minnesota's response to all of the chicanery, if you will, uh, that has happened in this industry because of the non-regulation. And it's a stigma I've had to fight for a very long time, but I like the fact that we're held to a higher standard and I think it defines who we are. So on top of what I believe is the best reputation in the industry and our US Mint accreditation, we're licensed and bonded. Maybe the only major player in the industry to say so. So uh, kind of using that toilet paper analogy, I can't believe uh, looking back that it's been 34 years, 33 years for me that we've been doing this. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll use this opportunity since we're talking about this just to kind of lay the framework of how I view precious metals. When I started with my father in 1990 as a 20-year-old kid, he said to me, Andy, there'll be one rule and only one rule. And I have to understand, Miles is my dad's middle name. His best friend who loaned us $60,000 to start the company on a wing and a prayer, his middle name is Franklin. We started in a one-room office, come from nothing. My parents sold their life insurance policies to help fund the company. Uh, it was a shot in the dark um, that I still can't believe somehow we pulled off. And he said to me, hey, there'll be one rule and, and only one rule or I'll fire you if you don't abide by it. I can deal with one rule, dad, what's that? He says, you'll buy something every two weeks. I said, shit, if that's the only rule, I can, I can deal with that. And although I've owned the company outright for almost two decades and he's long since retired, 
won't fire me anymore. I still bounce a lot of things off of him and he's my partner in many respects. The point I want to get across is that I have never, um, I've honored my word. And for 33 years, every two weeks, I have accumulated something because to me, it's wealth. It's the best gift my father ever gave me, taught me how to pay myself first and how to save. And when I accumulate gold and silver, in no way am I looking at it as an investment. I mean, it may very well turn out to be a hell of an investment and it's held its own, you know, my entire career in terms of where I started and where I was buying things at and where it is now. But to me, it's wealth that has been wealth for 5,000 years that has outlived every pandemic, mm -hmm. two world wars, German, German hyperinflation and the Great Depression. And I know that it, if I need it for an opportunity or an emergency, I'll be damn glad I have it. If not, I know that when I leave it as a legacy for my kids, no matter what happens to the bills in my wallet, that someday will be hanging from a frame in the Smithsonian, much like you know this old currency is. And, a lot of these other things that once were legal tender and currency in the U.S. won't be at some point. I know that gold and silver will still be immutable wealth. So as we talk about premiums and gold and silver and all this stuff, I just want you to understand and everyone out there that to me, it's wealth always has been. If you own enough of it, you'll be wealthy. But that's not why I own it. And uh, honestly, it, it has been the best gift my father's ever given me. And I, if I can impart that upon anyone, I do all the people who work for me. I, I make them buy something every two weeks. And, you know, going back to the toilet paper, you wake up one day and where the hell did 30 years go? But I have proof that I've been there for 30 years by the accumulation of what I did to pay myself first every two weeks for this entire period of time. So that's the way I look at things. And from that, I'd be happy to uh, go down the road here with you and see where we end up. And just to say, like, I know I've told you this when I was in Vancouver, but just for everybody to know, like, ever since we had that conversation roughly two years ago, and I'm sure dad feels the same way, it's just, I have made an objective to think on a monthly, like, I don't go on a biweekly basis, I went, I decided more on a monthly framework, but on a monthly basis, I pretty much try to buy something, whether it's a small amount of gold, whether it's a large amount of silver, I try and, and the, the premise of it is, like you said, it's the compounding effect of accumulating over a yes. lifetime of wealth that eventually you pass on and then your children get to accumulate and pile on to that wealth. And your legacy totally. is, and it's a, it's a, it's a ripple effect of a legacy that perpetually continues within the family. Yeah, I mean, whether it be waiting to do your homework when you're in ninth grade until Sunday night or, you know, trying to save for, for your retirement, we all wake up one morning and how did we get to where we are? I mean, how did I get to be 52 years old? I swear I'm still 19 in my brain. And, uh, and that's, a, that's the thing is that if you don't pay yourself first, you make a conscious effort to do it and put it in a fashion that doesn't allow you to piss it away easily. You wake up one morning and, and you're wishing that you would have just done that because time is something that, you know, we all have to deal with. And so th that that would be the one piece of advice I'd give to anyone, any young person, no matter what field they are and whether you're buying gold and silver, whatever it is that you're accumulating, pay yourself first. I think you'll be glad you did. You'll wake up one morning and say, holy crap, look at what I've put away because mm -hmm. it's been a long time since I've been doing it and it, it becomes infectious. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you uh, saying that. I'm glad to hear that you uh, took something away from that. To me, it's it's really defining in terms of what I would tell someone is how you get ahead in life, get off that, that wheel, you know, the squirrel wheel. Mm -hmm. 
before we jump into like what we wanted to talk about uh today what do you have to say to people who say no i gotta pay my taxes i shouldn't pay myself first let me pay my let me let me pay my taxes first before paying myself first the only reason i asked that is because i've been been hammered away by somebody and she's probably listening to this right now but i'm just curious to know what your take is before we jump into more uh more macro theme discussions one of the things that i hope people will understand about me and the success that my company has had is that we come from nothing nothing i remember a story that my parents told me my mom um they both worked in the clothing industry in the 80s both of them i was like the latchkey kid who came home to an empty house you know and uh, my parents were working and they both lost their job in 1983 and i remember my mom saying the creditors the the bill collectors were harassing her and calling and calling and calling and she would pay as much as she could on the bill, even if it was 20 bucks when the bill was 50, just to keep them at bay. So, you know, the concept of paying down your debt is important, but what I'm getting at is that, <clears throat> and I'm not suggesting people do this with their taxes, but, um, <laughs> you know, if you got a bill you need to pay and it's 200 bucks, if you pay 170 of it and put a little note in there, I'll catch up next month. They're not going to harass you. And you, you pay that 30 bucks and get yourself an ounce of silver. Because if you don't do that, if you don't consciously put yourself first, I mean, a lot of this comes with having some fiscal restraint. Mm -hmm. You know, don't look to the U.S. in the way that they do things as, as your uh, role model. The federal government, which is $130 trillion broken, is giving the Ukraine $114 billion that we're borrowing. Don't follow that model. But instead, even if it's one ounce of silver, you know, stop buying coffees for a month or, you know, find a way. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the amount of money you put in taxes. It could be one ounce of silver every two weeks or five ounces of silver a month or whatever it may be. It's something. And every journey starts with a single step, you know, and if you don't take the first step, whether it is about exercising or dieting or changing your behavior in any way, you never get there. And so you have to take that first step and then the next step. And then it, it becomes something that you'll become proud of. And I'll tell you this, that, you know, fiscal constraint, living within your means is important. No question about it. And it's harder and harder these days with inflation being what it is. But I will tell you that in my soul, I believe one of the, the hallmarks of, of who I am and what I've become is learning how to save and put money away. And if you don't do it, it will be one of the greatest regrets of your life. So you don't have to do it at the expense of, of a large payment like your taxes, but what you should do is at least start with a single ounce and make a relationship with the guy or gal who owns a local coin shop in your town and go in there and, you know, make, make friends, buy an ounce of silver, say, I'll see you in two weeks, put, put another one of those eagles away from me or whatever it may be. And who knows what tomorrow may bring. And, um, you know, uh, 
get on that path, take that first step. That's it. It's an interesting, it's an interesting way of putting it too. I mean, we're not recommending don't pay your taxes, but it's, it's a more proactive approach to, to building a foundation. So it's really interesting. Um, all right, let's shift our focus to what's happening right now, because it, the, the saying, and Nick and I have been talking about this for the last, I think, 13 months. If you're not worried about what's happening right now, you're actually in a good position. It's the ones that are not aware of what's happening that should be worried. So what's your take on this macro environment? These central banks, they're hoarding all this gold. There must be a reason, right? Yeah. And and I'll certainly get to that um, because really for the past three years, you go back and watch the videos I've put out. I was talking about BRICS and the Belt Road Initiative and the de-dollarization trend before anyone was. On every YouTube video I have done since 2020, it has been the central theme of what I have been talking about, how gold was reclassified by the BIS, how the central banks not only were repatriating it from the New York Fed and the Bank of England, but going on massive buying sprees how the suppression of the price of gold has allowed them to empty the shelves of the available available stockpiles in the London Metals Exchange and off the COMEX and continually accumulating more and more and more gold where, you know, this year, last year, 2022, the central banks bought more gold than at any time in the last 55 years, the second most in history. But before we get there, I mean, I think you need to look at what's going on. I know you guys are in Canada, but you know, here in the U.S., the U.S. government just published its, 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 its annual financial report. And, you know, we lost only lost $4.1 in fiscal year 2022, just a trillion worse than the year before. You know, a trillion can't be that bad, right? A trillion seconds ago, you guys, was 31,688 years ago. A trillion is a lot, especially when you're already broke and insolvent. We were told that Social Security has a funding deficit of only $75.9 trillion. $76 trillion in IOUs. That's not even on counted in the $31 trillion debt, right? A country where in 2019, $5 trillion in tax revenue, which is what they brought in last year, almost to the button, would have covered the entire deficit and left 500 billion left over to pay down the debt. But instead they went over that by 1.375 trillion to spend $6.27 trillion. And it's just mad- madness, insanity where $706 billion was used to pay the interest on the national debt. In other words, they had to borrow money just to pay the interest on money they had already borrowed. A country where billion to secure the southern border and stop what is now killing more teenagers in this country than anything in in terms of how kids are dying. It's from fentanyl poisoning. Mm. That's the largest cause of death. $5 billion is too much to do that, right? But $114 trillion to get us this close to World War III. Well, that's okay. Um. We're giving money for the Ukrainian pensions for the government Mm -hmm. is okay for us when there's a $1.75 trillion pension shortfall in this country. Our leaders have their heads so far up their ass, it's not even funny. And when you talk about reasons to see global de-dollarization, how about 
the November meeting of the FDIC Systemic Resolution Advisory Committee. And anyone who hasn't heard this yet ought to double time to, to YouTube because it leaked out there. This is the, the, the division of the FDIC, who, by the way, has, I don't know, like uh, under 200 billion in reserves backing 9 trillion in assets. And this group, the Systemic Resolution Advisory Committee says, hey, there's gonna be bank runs and bank failures. And the banks already know this. There's gonna be bail-ins too, because bailouts are illegal. You're an unsecured creditor of the bank, but you know, you, hey, listen, us members of this committee, we have a lot less faith in the, in, in the credit worthiness of the banks than the public does. So the unintended consequences of leaking this out to the public will create runs on the banks. But the public needs to know that there will be bail-ins, but we just probably shouldn't let them know that we all know it's coming. When you talk about what's happening to this country, to the mismanagement of the world reserve currency, the brain-dead monetary policy that we have and the irresponsible fiscal policy, it's, it's embarrassing as far as I'm concerned. And it underscores why a good portion of the world is saying enough with you. Not only are all of these things a reason enough to ditch the dollar, but the weaponizing of it and the perceived hypocrisy of the West, where, you know, you're okay. I, you can spend dollars, but no, not, you know, not you, Nick. I, you, we're going to sanction you and we're going to kick you out of SWIFT. Uh, we're going to freeze your assets. The, the EU just said, not only are we going to freeze your assets, we're going to confiscate them and use them to rebuild the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And my point is when you weaponize the world reserve currency, you have just incentivized all of these countries to coalesce against the West. And that is what we see happening in all of these countries, the central banks, the ones that have bought more gold than at any time in the last 55 years, they're all the ones that are joining the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Belt Road Initiative, and the BRICS, which represent north of 80% of human population. And so when you talk about who's accumulating all of this stuff, it's the smart money. Now, how are they doing it? Why isn't the price going up, everyone always says? Because the brain-dead West is suppressing the price of gold, have been for a very long time, because there's a there's a... Uh, an economic law called Gibson's paradox, which speaks yep. to the inverse relationship between real interest rates and gold. So when you suppress interest rates for as long as we have, you have to kill the canary. And that's what they've done. And I, I would hope that they are trying for an orderly retreat from these short positions and maybe accumulating it themselves. But the, the countries that are competing for the small pool of, of commodities are doing exactly what we've been doing for a very long time, suppressing with leverage the commodities on the, on the, uh, on the COMEX and, and the London Metals Association with paper, and then draining the physicals. If you were to pull up in post-production, or if you can do it now, the available silver stockpile, just Google London Metals Association silver stockpile, blow your mind, it's straight down. There's only 800,000 ounces there on the LBMA right now. And there's you know only 33 or 39 million right now in the registered category on COMEX. 
Um, those are the bars that are available for immediate delivery. And yet India imported 304 million ounces of silver last year. The point of it is, is that these countries are using the suppression with leverage on COMEX and the exchanges to drain the exchanges of all of their commodities, not just gold and silver, you know, aluminum, zinc, those two aluminum, 75% of all the aluminum stockpiles at the LBMA left last year, 90% of the zinc stockpiles. You're seeing these countries accumulate war chests of commodities using the suppression. Now, how do they do that? I asked my head trader, you know, we, we, we um, hedge everything. I said, how much does it cost to control a 100 ounce gold contract? He said, 7,000 bucks in our margin account, controls 185,000 in gold. What if I'm JP Morgan with a billion in my margin account? Do you see the perception of reality I can create? I got enough money, I'll just make the price lower and I'll gobble up the physicals because everyone is fixated on, on, on the body of the car. They don't look lift up the hood to see that there's two squirrels on wheels as an engine. And, and that's really the problem here is that on a big macro picture, the biggest money in the world who's closest to the information is draining the exchanges of all of their hard assets, the commodities, and using the suppression and the leverage built into the system in these exchanges to run cover for it. And the ironic thing about it is that right now for the first time in three years, the availability in the retail market where I live is the best it's been in three years. And the premiums are the lowest it's been in three years. And I can't quite wrap my head around it other than to say it is a gift because only one half of 1% of the entire financial matrix in the United States from Joe Sixpack to the Harvard Endowment Fund has any gold allocations whatsoever. It used to be 8% in 1980 and 2.5% is the mean over the last 40 years. We go back just to the average where, with, you know, 2.5% allocation in your portfolio would represent a five-fold increase in demand in an industry that for the last three years has struggled mightily to keep stock, uh, keep inventory stock and premiums at a reasonable level. So it's a very unusual time in everything in this world. And this is no exception in our industry. The, the contrarian in me is basically screaming right now. Now's the best time to start doing, you know, buy that one thing every month, maybe do it two, two X at the end of every month because and the opportunity to, is yeah, here. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, and plus to think about it, when you were talking about the demand side, you're talking purely from monetary standpoint. You're not even talking from the industrial component side. What adds an even more leverage side to the to the upside price, you know. So that's just a monetary perspective, and then again, when you're talking about this stuff, the 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 way that the governments and the states are playing this game with with leveraging and suppressing prices and doing all this stuff, it's like it's at the expense of individuals. It's at the expense of their citizens because when all this stuff falls apart, the people that are still going to be standing will be the central banks, will be the government. But the people are the ones that are going to be suffering the most because they were duped and they were played along a game. And it's 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 interesting to see how America keeps trying to portray this image of power and responsibility and morality and, and, and being righteous while they're imploding internally and destroying themselves internally. Like in a game theory, if I was if I'm the if I'm these opposing nations that don't want United States interfering with them and in, in getting involved, I don't even have to 
touch America. I could just let them destroy themselves internally while I play the game of de-dollarizing. So you lose your economic power on a global scale and you destroy yourself internally. Like I barely have to do any work. And you see that the BRICS, that like you have the BRICS thing that's exponentially growing. Like everybody's trying to move away because they know that that's how they maintain their power on a global stage. You remove that, that leverage they're destroying themselves internally and they no longer have that ability to keep everything in us dollars like what's left for america after well and and i ask people all the time um what makes the dollar the world reserve currency no one really knows you know uh, in these pictures behind me you got roosevelt back there and and the dollar used to be backed by gold until he confiscated it it was still backed by gold until 1971, at least as far as governments were concerned, right? And governments could exchange their, their dollars for gold at any time at a fixed rate of 35 bucks an ounce. And President de Gaulle from France said, well, you guys are printing more money to fund Vietnam than, than you have gold at Fort Knox. So we're going to call your bluff and we're going to send warships over to New York Harbor filled with dollars. And he did and demanded gold. And we gave it to him. Nixon closed the gold window, but it's been the protection of the Saudi kingdom from three years later, 1974, and the deal that was struck with the Saudis and with OPEC, hey, we're going to protect you. Before that, you and OPEC denominate dollars, oil in dollars globally. And, and, you know, the dollar had been the world reserve currency going back to the end of the war, 42. Everyone had dollars. It just made sense. And so every country on the planet has had their own dollars for 50 years to buy oil. It's created a synthetic demand for the dollar. Who just joined BRICS? Oh yeah, that's right, Saudi Arabia. Who's being protected by Russia? Oh yeah, Saudi Arabia. And I don't wanna hear what people say, well, Russia's not effective in this conventional war. Russia has hypersonic ICBMs. And if they really wanted to get into it with a country like the United States and it really got dirty, let's hope to God it never that, happens. That, that it doesn't happen. Right. But the point of it is, is that if we wake up one morning and you realize that on the Belt Road Initiative, the largest infrastructure project in human history, which we talked about, I'm sure, two years ago, every OPEC producing country is on it, all 13 of them. If you look at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, most of these countries are there. You look at, at uh, the BRICS seven of the 13 are in or applied already, the rest are going to. And, you know, all it would take is for Saudi Arabia to stand arm in arm with Xi Jinping and Putin and the rest of his OPEC brothers and sisters who are on the Belt Road Initiative, who are all coalescing together, who we've been told is going to issue a commodity-backed currency. The, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization has told us they're going to issue a gold-backed settlement currency for the Eurasian continent and BRICS, a, a commodity-backed currency. What better way to roll out a distributed ledger technology uh, digital currency like the digital yuan, which has been going on for four years now to the tune of $25 billion in successful trades than to show what all of these countries, nearly 80 of them lining up to join the BRICS Plus, what they're pledging to the new system. How do you make it work? All these countries, look, Iraq and Iran at the same side of the table, Iran and, and Saudi Arabia at the same side of the table, what my enemy's enemy is my friend, remember? Mm, exactly. But how about this? Forget about the past. We're going to put commodities on a distributed ledger and everyone has equal say at the table. The presidency rotates in the BRICS nations. They already understand that. There's no one central authority. Yeah, 
China and Russia may be leading it, but what happens if they stand up and they say, hey guys, thanks for the memories. Really, we appreciate it, it's been great. But we've decided to open up oil sales now in the new digital yuan or the new BRICS currency or the Shanghai cooperation settlement currency or the Chinese petro yuan, which already is, is settling with for oil it from, from Saudi Arabia, from Nigeria, from Iran, they're selling, and from Russia, they sell their natural gas, their coal, their oil, and they get the petro yuan bond, which is immediately convertible into gold on the Shanghai Gold Exchange. That's how these countries escape and sidestep these sanctions. 85% of the world is still trading with Russia. The, the Russia mm -hmm. ruble is stronger than the dollar. Sanctions yep. mean shit. But the bottom line is, what happens when they say, hey, thanks, but now we're being protected by you know, by a military power coalesced that's bigger than yours, GDP that's bigger, and 85% of the world that's not going green. We don't need you anymore because you don't need us anymore, right? You're going green. So we're going to go elsewhere. And bang, just like that, just like that, every country on the planet that's had their own dollars dumps them. If you ever remember seeing the movie Trading Places, at the very end, one of the Duke brothers says to the other, sell Mortimer, sell, because they got duped being on the wrong side of the trade and they were getting bankrupt by the moment. And when all of these countries, there's a guy named Mike Adams, he calls it Operation Sandman, where all of these countries plan to do it at the exact same time. But in a game of chess, not until the pieces are put into place. Look at Turkey, our ally who joined BRICS, bought mm -hmm. more gold than any country in the world last year and in the month of January continued it. They bought more gold in the month of January this year than any country on the planet. They've already applied for BRICS. How are they going to get equal footing at the table by having gold or silver or a commodity that gives them equal footing? It's the glue that makes all of these different cultures stick together against the Western hegemony, against the Western perceived hypocrisy, the mm -hmm. sanctions. And bang, when they all dump dollars because they no longer needed to buy oil, if you think inflation is bad now, imagine the tsunami of inflation rolling to the shores of America because there's way more money out there around the globe than there is here in dollars because mm -hmm. every country has had to stockpile them to buy energy. So they come flying home and everyone dumps simultaneously and you have hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. You have interest rates that go to the moon. What happens to stocks, bonds, and real estate as interest rates spike to the moon? It's the Great Lots. Reset that Klaus Schwab talks about. And is that in the books for us? I don't know. But this is why it's never been more important to be a contrarian, or you will be a victim. Yeah. And the way that we are handling ourselves on a global stage is only incentivizing and accentuating and expediting the outcome. And look, I got three kids, man. My youngest is 15. Uh, I mean, this country has given me, as I told you at the beginning of this, mm -hmm. this call, amazing opportunities. I, I'm a patriot. I love the United States and everything that it has stood for my whole life. But the things we are doing and the actions that we are making, you know, when Russia signed that joint military cooperation agreement with Saudi Arabia, do you think there's any coincidence to it being the day after we pulled out of Afghanistan with our own servicemen and women left behind and people hanging from the wing of a transport plane looking like idiots? Yeah. As an American, I'm 52. You grew up watching TV and movies and commercials 
No one has ever left behind. You never leave a serviceman or woman behind enemy lines. We did. And the freedom fighters who risk their lives to help us. I I, I was just going to say, I think that moment in history, that moment in history is going to be looked at the most biggest failed foreign policy operation where the rest of the world who are enemies of the United States are laughing and like, we got this now. This is our opportunity to run the table and to run our agenda. And they're, they're, they're going full speed ahead now. That's exactly right. And that's, that's when beginning of the end happened as far as yeah. I'm concerned. So when we talk about buying gold and silver, yeah, it's a lot deeper. It's not about making money. It's about mm-hmm. protecting your ass mm-hmm. because I do believe there will come a time when there is a competitor. The reason the Euro didn't work, all these different cultures, because they, they didn't have the glue Right. right. You got the Bundesbank in Brussels telling them what to do. You didn't have the glue. What is the glue? The glue is distributed ledger technology showing the veracity of what every country has pledged to the system and having it independently audited for the whole world to see transparency, mutual cooperation and respect and and not the heavy handedness of the West that has, I think, um, certainly soured the good graces of our creditors, for sure, our foreign creditors and incentivized them all for plan B. And I think that's where we're heading right now, unfortunately. You know, it's ironic because talking about the whole strength thing, you, you when you when you look at your, like, especially from America, you look at the Federal Reserve or the, the economic administration, or, you know, they always talk about how people keep, people want their dollar, but it's a very backward looking statement. It's not a forward looking statement. It's just because it's the current tool they have, but it doesn't mean that they're not working around that to try to make a tool in place that then officially lets them, makes them let go of it. So when they talk about, oh no, we're not worried about their strength of our dollar. We're not worried about this. It's like, you, you, you're, you're literally telling your people to get blindsided. And it's a sad reality because you're not letting them see the potential risk on the other side. And then- I agree with that completely. And it's sad, you know, and then what you see what they did with Afghanistan, it's like, you're just taking that and now you're multiplying it even more. You're, you're taking that same framework and you're applying it to Ukraine. And you're making the same mistake. And it would be ironic to see that if the world manages to de-dollarize and kind of put itself in a position where they can kind of find mutual ground to work collaboratively together because there's no actual central fiat currency, that the end of the world ends up actually doing better than when it was with the United States in the middle of it. Because then history will remember America as being one of the greatest enemy to mankind in the new world which yeah, would be a destructive uh, legacy to America, which is sad. But it's going to happen. Every power that has overextended its reach throughout all of history has ended the same way, you know, and, and, and that's exactly what we're doing. I don't know how many hundreds of military bases we have around the world and, and, and occupying all of these countries where we have no business being. And I am not condoning the atrocities of war. I'm not condoning any of this stuff, but it's enough already. You know, we're, we're broke, we're insolvent, we're spending money that we don't have, and we're acting like we're still a, a superpower, but we're the largest debtor nation on the planet. And mm-hmm. when everyone demands dollars, it's easy to pull that off. Mm-hmm. But you exactly. switch the narrative, and now people don't want our bonds or our dollars and start dumping them, especially simultaneously, and there's a problem. But I do want to mention that something just happened recently that gives me optimism that maybe the people will wake up, right? So, you know, over the last few weeks, we've seen Missouri, we've seen um, Wyoming, 
Now, Idaho um, issue legislation that allows not only the state treasurer to hold gold and silver in as part of their assets, but to allow it for legal tender for debts, public and private. And I'll read you something that I, well, I'm gonna read you a small bit here on the bill. Let me just move it. The Idaho State House today approved a bill to enable the state treasurer to protect state funds from inflation and other financial risks by holding some gold and silver. HB 180 would permit, but not require the state treasurer to hold some portion of state funds and physical gold and silver to help secure state assets against the risks of inflation and financial turmoil and or to achieve capital gains as measured in devaluing Federal Reserve notes. Now, that's the similar verbiage we've seen in Wyoming and Missouri, except they talk about using gold and silver for all debts, public and private. But I just wanted you to listen to what Representative Vito Barberi of, of Idaho said, and God bless the guy. And maybe you see some more of these red states implement this and speak this way will wake up the public. He says, we need to give our treasurer the ability to consider doing what so many central banks around the world have been doing, which is acquiring gold. Gold and silver are also right there in our U.S. Constitution. You know, dollar bills, that's treason, right? In, in, the, in the Constitution, it says if you use anything other than species, which is gold and silver, it is an act of treason. We've gone so far away from what this country was founded upon. And, you know, history doesn't always rhyme, but or repeat, but it can rhyme. And, and this is, a, you know, an exact thing. So the article went on to say, uh, uh, responding to growing concerns about rising debts and Federal Reserve money printing, Ohio recently followed Texas in inquiring a 5% physical gold holding in its public pension funds. Uh, West Virginia, Mississippi, Maine, Tennessee, Montana, and Missouri are presently um, considering bills in 2023 with provisions akin to Idaho's and so is Kansas. So you, you have these states that are waking up. They're all red states. They're waking up. And uh, maybe that will help wake up at least some of the people in this country so they're not completely and totally blindsided. But you're right. What's interesting is that, you know, you ask people what makes the dollar world reserve. They don't know. You know, you ask people a lot of the things that are, what, you know, what is the, the Belt Road Initiative? They don't know. What is the BRICS nations? They don't know. What's the Shanghai Cooperation Organization? Start reading this stuff. You'll freak out. Mm -hmm. Read what, watch the Systemic Resolution Advisory Committee meeting from the FDIC in November. You'll freak out. People have their head in the sand. And, and that's the scariest part about all of this is to the rest of the world, it's obvious. The people in this country, unfortunately, they're all going to be caught off guard because they're ill-prepared and, and have no idea Maybe they feel something's not right. They don't like the political landscape or inflation. Okay, but much more past that, the conversation kind of goes quiet. And mm -hmm. that's why I do what I do. You know, I'm, we've done $8 billion in sales and I don't need to do this and put myself out there and get comments on YouTube and make myself kind of a, a figure or a target or whatever you want to call it. I feel it's something I need to do. I find it cathartic to talk to guys like you and say, this shit's going on, wake up. <laughs> and uh, it is, you know, it is. And I think people need to, to take a step back and realize even the best laid plans in life need to be reevaluated. And this is one of those times. Uh, there's an article that was published today um, talking about central banks. And I think it's, it's an obvious thing for guys like us, because we're, we're really close to this, but um, the, 
losses that they're experiencing right now at these interest rates are astronomical. I think it's almost 10 to 15 times like GDP, which is absurd. I'm yeah, I read this. I'm thinking, you know, if there is God forbid, like, you know, a war that happens, and I'm talking, we're talking like this is Armageddon, like World War Three style stuff. The only way that interest rates are going to go is higher, but we know that interest rates are going higher just based on the landscape right now. So it's like, what, like, what is it that is going to click for most people before they realize that it's too late? Or is it just human nature in their mind to just say, oh, we're screwed now. You know, we waited too long. Like what? what's that one thing you think is going to just like make people realize that, holy shit, I, sh- I probably should have been prepared a little bit better. Well, the sad thing about it is I think if you haven't realized it already, you're already behind the eight ball. Um, and, and I think most people won't realize it until it's too late. That's why most, there's a whole, there's a whole school of economic theory called wave theory, Elliott wave, Kondratiev wave. This is all based on human emotions. Why so few people ever succeed in investing because they follow their emotions in the herd. You know, there are two, there are two things that we as humans are motivated by, by and large, and one is greed and the other is fear. And fear is a whole hell of a lot more motivating than greed is. And um, I think when people get scared, uh, you know, last year, mm-hmm. The S&P 500 was down 20 plus percent and the 10 year treasury suffered its worst year ever down 16%. Now, most financial advisors or pension fund administrators or um, 401k, you know, they're going to do a 60-40 split between stocks and bonds and the 40% in bonds is considered the, the safe haven, right? Well, that lost 16%. You see rates continue to rise. It's it's going to be a religious experience for people. Another year of double digit drops. Maybe that is what wakes people up. Um, we all have you know lived in a period of increasing prosperity where it's been our birthright to live better than our kids and our grandkids. You want to talk about illusionary? You go back to the financial crisis of two thousand and eight. People should have woke up right there. Yeah, but. Mother Nature wasn't allowed to wake them up. Why? The Fed's balance sheet in 08 or 09 was $800 billion. Now it's $9 trillion. Yeah, And crazy. that over $8 trillion that went on to the Fed's balance sheet consisted primarily of two things, U.S. treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. The purchasing of those two assets drives down interest rates. Now, interest rates should be calculated by the market, not by the central bank. That suppression of interest rates created massive distortions, illusions, misappropriations of resource and capital, created great distortions in price discovery. And you're coming from a really high place, not to mention, you know, in terms of prices. Interestingly enough, the only things that didn't go higher were gold and silver. And that's because they are the canary in the mine shaft. <clears throat> and, and there's a term in economics, as we mentioned, Gibson's paradox, which speaks of this inverse relationship between real interest rates and gold. So they had to step on it. And represents a hell of a value in this environment. But the bottom line is, is that when you come from a point where interest rates have been suppressed for so long, creating these distortions in asset prices, 
and you see rates rise, whether it be by Powell pussyfooting around at a half of 50 basis points at a time or something more chaotic like, you know, the world dumping dollars, the end result is the same thing. Rates going a whole lot higher and asset prices trying to find equilibrium between, you know, um, uh, Sub, yeah. yes, the, the, between, the distortion, the subsidies, uh, the lower. Yes. Yeah. And it's all going to unwind. And, you know, the thing that sucks about the message I'm trying to, you know, I, I moved into a, a really cool golf community in, in Florida got all these nice friends and some of them have figured out who I am. Most don't. I don't talk about it because it's not. You won't ever get invited back to that party. You better not bring this shit up at a party. No one wants to hear about it. World's coming to an end. You better protect yourself. You better have, you know, you better have, not just have gold and, and silver. You better have a gun. You better have some cash <laughs> on hand. You better have food. All that. I mean, oh, God, don't invite him back, man. Don't invite him back to the party. And so it's a bummer. All right. I've worked my whole life to get somewhere. And my whole life, gold and silver represent wealth to me, as mm -hmm. I told you at the onset, wealth not hedge against catastrophe, but I don't recognize the world we live in anymore. And you can see by the positioning of people, countries that are, are their adversaries or used to be our allies like Turkey who are moving away from us. And you can see why if you look, if you open your eyes. Part of the problem is the media, you guys are the media now, right? The real media that we watch every day most people watch every day, doesn't tell us anything important. They're more obsessed about the guy that killed his wife and, and son in South Carolina than what's happening in this world. And the political jesters. Yes. And so that's why people are going to be completely and totally caught off guard. And this is why it's so important to, um, to educate yourself and to go to alternative media sources to fact check. When I talk about the Belt Road Initiative, when I talk about the tier one revision of gold, when I talk about, you know, the BRICS nations, when I talk about uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, all of the commodities they're accumulating, the BRICS plus, the 60 plus, 80 plus countries that want to join it, the weaponizing of the doubt, all of these things you can fact check, you can read about it, you can see it's happening. And yet you haven't heard a word about any of this on anything yeah. that is considered mainstream. So, you know, what's it going to take for people to wake up? Uh, Dan, I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to take something that really rattles and ignites that fear in people that, my God, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't going to happen because that illusion that the Fed papered over over the last 12 years where, or, 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 yeah, 12, 13 years, whatever, of adding all of that money to their balance, all of those assets to the balance sheets, driving down interest rates, pushing asset prices up is an illusion. And people don't understand that. They think, oh, you just hold it long enough and it'll always come back. It always does. There are guys here that I golf with that are hugely wealthy. Man, one guy manages $3 billion for um, uh, Morgan Stanley. And, and, you know, it'll always come back. And he always asks me, why isn't gold and silver going up? Never says that when the price is going up, but always when it gets up. <laughs> and I, I just don't even really... I just, you know, because it, mm -hmm. it's because, and I don't go into it with them. But the point of it is, is that even people who are sophisticated in finance and have done really well for themselves in traditional assets, they're going to be caught off guard. Not only will, the, will their business and their book blow up, but I can guarantee you none of them own a lick of gold. 
Yeah. And Morgan Stanley paid a fine to the Justice Department uh, maybe a decade ago for charging storage fees for gold that they never even bought for their clients. And I mean, they don't believe in it. And so you have all the way from the top down, the people who are giving us advice to the mainstream, who's not showing us what's really happening, ill prepared for what's coming down the street. So God bless guys like you who, who, who do this, who talk about what's happening and allow someone like me to get out here and, and rant because maybe just maybe will affect one person's life, you know, and, and maybe just maybe they'll, they'll put money away. Like I said, that has outlived two world wars, German hyperinflation, German hyperinflation, the great depression and every pandemic and is still wealth. And that's the reason I mm -hmm. tell people to buy gold and silver. It's not to become wealthy. It's because it is wealth. Yep. You're playing a different game with this. It's, it's, it, you know, like I always talk to people as I have once I, I, I've heard someone once talk about the way they think of their portfolio and they think of it like a soccer team or like just a team in general. You know, you have your goalie, you have your defenders, you've got your midfielders, you've got your strikers. You, you, you need to find a way to fit gold within your portfolio to serve its purpose for when the time comes, it has that role because there's always a role for each player on the team to play. It, you just have to wait for that moment in the game for your role to come into play. You, it might take 50 years, it might take 30 years, but you also have to take into account the 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 um the cycle you're in. You know, as millennials, we're nearing the end of a cycle. Boomers, they're the ones that kind of initiated the cycle and they're, they're getting old at the late stage of the cycle. We're entering it near the end of the cycle. So if we don't prepare ourselves for that shift, we're going to be blindsided. And if it never happens, you leave a legacy for your kids. Of course. Long yeah. after the dollar bills in your wallet are hanging from a frame in the Smithsonian as an example of what was, mm -hmm. gold and silver will still be wealth just like it was when pharaohs and kings and queens and emperors and all the way back to biblical times had accumulated it. Mm -hmm. And that's why you own it, um, not, to, not to get rich. And no. that was one of the things that was lost on the Wall Street Reddit group Mm -hmm. uh, the people that followed it, you know, they came on the heels of AMC and GameStop and let's make all this money. And no, that's not why you own it. Yeah. You might make a lot of money in silver, <clears throat> careful what you wish for. But I think it's more along the lines of, of looking at it as, as from a contrarian point of view. And as Rick rule often mm -hmm. says, my buddy, uh, if you're not a contrarian right now, you'll be a victim when this mm -hmm. all plays out. And I believe that to be a true statement. So yeah, this is this is why it's time to do what the biggest money in the world is doing. What these what this representative from Idaho is saying, de-dollarizing the way the other central banks have been. And and last year was the second most in history that the central banks of the world accumulated, the most since 1967, and the second most in history. So when the most well-funded, well-informed, influential people on the planet are accumulating that heavy of an accumulation of gold and silver and, and hard commodities, you know, do what they're doing. Don't listen to what they're saying. Don't listen to the rhetoric. Don't look at the price. Just realize that this is bigger than all of us. And what better way to accumulate and, and to reposition than to hold down the paper price with huge leverage. And that's exactly what they're doing. If $7,000 in my margin account allows me to control a hundred ounces of gold, what if I have a half a billion in my margin account? I'll do whatever the hell I want. And then I'll buy the physical at pennies on the dollar mm -hmm. while I suppress the paper price. And then I'll just write a check to cover my position. 
unless of course they demand delivery. This is one of the reasons I think you're seeing JP Morgan just put 7 million ounces of silver into the registered category last week. I believe that someone is demanding delivery from a short contract or lots of short contracts. And there's only so much of that that can happen before the game stops where the banks at that point will not be able to short the market anymore because you run the risk of someone saying, I don't care, I'll take your short contract, but I'm gonna stand for delivery which is an option that you are afforded on the commodity exchange. And the day they stop allowing that would be the day, in my opinion, that the Moscow exchange, this new Moscow exchange, pegs gold at three or 4,000 bucks an ounce, pegs silver at hundred bucks an ounce, and everything leaves the COMEX. Everything leaves the LBMA to catch that arbitrage, flows eastward, and it's, a, it's game over at that point. If I were running this show on that side of the ledger, it's exactly what I would do. Because once they stop allowing deliveries, that's akin to a default and it's yeah. easy to suppress the price of gold when no one's standing for delivery but when everyone stands for delivery and you have only 39 million ounces of silver backing all the contracts in play right now that that's a very dangerous short position in my opinion and that's why bear stearns went bankrupt mm. if you listen to the chris marcus arcadia economics interview with bart chilton six days before he died he admitted all this bear stearns went bankrupt because uh, they had a huge short position on silver. Jamie Dimon was invited into the to uh, Bernanke's office with with um, Hank Paulson. They said, "We need you to take this over uh, the short position." Okay, fine, but we'll be in violation of position limits. He said, "Okay, well, you have." They said, "You got time. We'll give you like ninety days or six months, and just get that under control." Well, at the end of the time. Chilton, who was the head of the CFTC, the Community, uh, Community uh, Com Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the commodity cops, he goes into his superiors and says, not only did JP Morgan not reduce their short position, they've increased it. They're in violation of our agreement and antitrust law that they need to be prosecuted. And he was told political decision back down. He died six days later after he told that one and only time to Chris Marcus. I encourage everyone to read it. To back up what we're talking about, how big money uses price to misdirect everyone. It's misdirection. It's the art of war. It's beating your opponent without throwing a punch. And that's exactly what is happening to us. We use the suppression of gold and silver to mask the mismanagement and the brain dead monetary policy of the West. And the rest of the world is saying, ha ha, we'll get you at your own game. We're going to drain everything. When you guys Google, the, the inventory of silver in the London Metals Exchange, it's like you're going down a ski hill. It's disappearing. It's almost gone. What? So, Why they, so much what? so they said if deliveries are the same way they were this year as last year, there'll be none left. Why do they... Why do they keep, I don't mean to ask an obvious question, but it's like, why do they keep getting away with this? Is it because of 08 being just a slap on the wrist or is it because there's a much deeper agenda that is trying to push people, maybe marginalize people out of society. Like, why do they keep getting away with this? Because they've been able to for a very long time. Why would, why would, why would Bart Chilton be told to back down? Why did JP Morgan a year ago pay a $920 million fine for suppressing the metals market, throw a couple of token traders in jail, including um, Michael Nowak, who was their head trader, in prison for I don't know how long. Maybe they have a big bonus waiting for him when he comes out. I don't know. But why would they have to pay a 920 
million dollar fine, the largest fine at that point the Justice Department ever levied upon anyone, and allow them to keep the 80 million in profit because their gold desk made a billion dollars that year and still run and administrate the world's largest silver trust, SLV. Maybe the suppression of the metals market has something to do with the fact that the US has been um, less than smart about their own metal stash, where we have exhausted our strategic stockpile of silver decades ago. <clears throat> and so, you know, why is it that the US Mint, when Janet Yellen goes on their website as the Secretary of the Treasury, who oversees the mint and says, we've ramped up production. Go look at what they produced last year, 14, 15 million eagles. Go back and look what they produced in 09, 10, and 11, or in that area, or 12, 13, 45, 50 million a year. So ramped up production is 25% of what they've done in the past. And yet the premiums on the eagles have been higher than anything by six, seven, eight, nine dollars a coin. And I can get you $5 million worth of kangaroos, philharmonics, Britannias, or, or maple leaves way easier. And I'm one of only 27 U.S. Mint authorized resellers on the planet than I can the U.S. Mint. Is it conspiracy? Is the U.S. Mint stockpiling because they've squandered it all, suppressing the price, um, allowing it to be to leasing it and selling it to drive down the price. And now it's all heading eastward. I don't know. Where did the 12 billion in gold go that the Ukraine sold to fund the war? Where did Gaddafi's gold go? Where did Saddam Hussein gold go? I don't know. Do any, does anyone know? Are we holding it? Why hasn't Fort Knox been audited since 1956? Mm. What the hell's going on? Mm. I mean, why do they get away with it? Because the West has broke the rules and they don't want to get caught, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a tragedy. It really is as far as I'm concerned. But when companies like JP Morgan can suppress the price, who can, can pay billions and billions of dollars in fines for various things, ranging from metals manipulation to LIBORG and all of these things that they're screwing with uh, and HSBC be the administrator of GLD. And they have, you know, they paid millions and millions in fines for, for laundering drug money, for, you know, cocaine cartels and all sorts of things. And they're still allowed to do it. I mean, what does that say? And, and you know, when you deviate that far from what this country was originally founded on and stood for at some point, you know, you exhaust the good graces of the rest of the world. And I think that's where we're at. And the fact that they haven't done anything more about it I mean, you, you talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Why the hell? Why the hell have they not done anything about that? Why did they raid former President Trump's home at five in the morning in Mar-a-Lago? But you know, ask politely if they can come visit President Biden's home. Why? Why are all of these things happening? You know, a loss of of privacy and, and a loss of freedoms and 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 a loss of of, of being able to um, to speak freely with censoring and. I mean, and just like I said, we're $5 billion to build a wall to, to protect this country's border from, from 5 million illegal people bringing in fentanyl, killing our, our kids, but 114 billion to the Ukraine is, mm -hmm. is okay. I mean, it's upside down. For the large, you guys know what the largest single asset is in the United States, according to the 2022 balance sheet just came out. Grab a, grab a garbage can so you can puke if you don't know. <laughs> You know? I, I thought, hold on. Is it is it the United States Treasury? 
No, it's a student debt. 37% yeah. of the assets yeah. of this country has, they call an asset, the, the land of the free, the yeah. home of the brave, the world reserve currency is student debt. Student debt, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, everything's upside down, you guys. And I... I hate I hate being the the, the uh, angel of death, the the, the buzzkill at the party, the, the purveyor of doom. But hey, man, there's a fine line between reality and pessimism these days. And I think that I think that's why they're getting away with it, because people are too stupid to question the narrative. And 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 they believe what they're being told, I guess. You know, you see, the thing is, in any game like. To me, the way I see everything is from a game perspective. If I want to be effective in every action I make and every allocation that I make, I have to be aware of my risks. So if I do not go down the rabbit hole of dark thoughts or conspiracies or uh, whatever you might think it might be called, if I do not know my risks coming my way, I can't hedge. I can't protect myself. I can't prepare myself and I can't make my right decisions. So for, for us, this, these are the conversations that fuel us to seek the best optionalities because you can't make your best option if you don't know what options are out there. Totally agree. Totally agree. And um, so we appreciate you basically. We're yeah, man. This. No, I, and I, you guys, honestly, I do. It's, it's great to come on here and great to talk with you guys. We should do it a little more frequently than once every two years, but uh <laughs> You know, I'm happy to come on whenever. I think there's the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. And uh, these are anything but dull and complacent. Now that uh, the restrictions on travel are over, I'll be up in Montreal a few times per year, checking on our facilities uh, in in, uh, Montreal, our our Brinks programs that we're obliged to do audits. And uh, certainly dinner is on me. Dan, I hope to see you down here. I know you're you're here in Florida right now and got around the golf with your name on it too, but Look, it's all about relationships, and, um, and I think that's very important where we're going. And I'm proud to 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 be here with you guys and and help what you guys are doing. And I appreciate you letting me go on this little rant. But I believe everything I'm saying in my soul. Yeah. If I come across as anything, I hope it's authentic because I do believe that we're in trouble, mm-hmm. and I want to help as many people as I can. And and the funny thing about it all is that I can't talk to the guy I play golf with for four hours, who's my buddy without really freaking them out, I have to go on YouTube, mm-hmm. not tell yeah. anyone what I'm doing and talk to the world to say it. And it's yeah. weird, weird, weird. But um, hey, if I help one person protect their family with historical, biblical wealth outside the system, what, what the most sophisticated, well-informed traders on the globe are doing, then I, 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 take, um, I take solace in that. And I'm glad that I've maybe help one person even even you nick i know that you know buying gold or silver or something once a month you took that away from me two years ago hey man that that's because it was such a it was such a simple thing like why not just do that you know it's just it's such a simple little thing i i already save a lot i like to invest a lot so it's like why not incorporate that as a routine behavior it was such a simple thought, but I just never really thought of it because it's not ingrained in us to think of store wealth, store wealth, store wealth. Because we're a species of instant gratification. That's our problem. And our educational and, system, yeah. just and our environment just didn't fuel it. The, the, you know, the, I, I, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I remember my grandfather once told me that, you know, you didn't buy a house or a car in the 50s unless you had the money, you know. Maybe, you t- I mean, a mortgage for a home and the average price of a home in 1960 was like $17,000, right? Now it's 400 plus thousand. And so 
you know, Corvette in 1973, a brand new Corvette was like six grand. Now it's 160 grand or whatever it is. So it's 106 or whatever, 120, whatever it is. It's, we, it's our birthright to go into debt. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's to, to your friend who wants to pay her taxes, find a way to um, prioritize yourself first on everything and anything you do. And then it's the greatest gift that I've ever been given. And if I can help anyone achieve that same level of comfort, you know, um, I can tell you it works. <clears throat> the, the compounding of time and of interest, you want to work for you instead of against you. And um, more so the compounding of interest, but time has a way of compounding pretty quick too, the older you get. So anyways, yeah, it's uh Andy, it's, it's all cool. The, the, this has been a really good refresher. I'd rather it be blunt and honest mm-hmm. than sugar. That's how we like it because yeah, I man. think, and I, and I think that's how our audience likes it too. Because you know, if they don't like, like you said, I mean, three years ago, if they don't get it, then there's still a little bit of time. Now we're at a point like, if you don't see it now, like we can't help you, you know? So I, I really appreciate the fact and Nick and I really appreciate that you've been super blunt about this. Cause I feel like that's the only way, especially in this, in this environment that we're in, man. But um, I hope but- I'm wrong, by the way, for all you out there, I truly will take, I will take, um, I won't be bummed out if I'm wrong. Like I said, my youngest is 15 years old and she's growing up in a world that's scary. So, yeah. Hey, uh, one last thing, and I'll let you guys go. Um, when I uh, when I did an interview with Michelle McQuarrie on Kitco at the Vancouver conference, and she she was fantastic. She asked me questions that really kind of threw me for a loop. <clears throat> she told me she was going to push back a little bit. Uh, she said, I agree with what you're saying, but I want to push back and see, you know, just to get your take. And she said, well, what could stop this de-dollarization? Could it be Russia losing the war? And I said, nah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, you know, Russia is still trading with the majority of the world, even after we've imposed these sanctions and whatnot. They, I think they look at things differently than the West do. But I said, you know, there was a report that just came out by the International Monetary Fund. Um, and it it is entitled um, something to the extent of um, gold and international reserve a barbarous relic no more. The IMF was formulated in 1942 at Bretton Woods. The IMF, the U.S. has veto rights. It's a very Western thing. It's 150 countries from around the world that the United States has severe influence over. And the only way that I could see things maybe turning around for the better for this country would be for us to beat the bricks to the punch. An issue, if you're gonna do it, a CBDC as the BIS told us, every country needs it operational by 2025 and and be transparent, revalue gold the way FDR did in 1933 without confiscating it because it's not, it wouldn't be, maybe they confiscate the ETFs, wouldn't do them any good to take gold from the very small percentage of the people who own it in this country, but revalue the stockpile they have that gold and say it's ironic if you if you look at the way it's held in all of these central banks on their balance sheet, it's held in an account called the revaluation account. Maybe that's the ultimate plan. They'll revalue gold to ten thousand an ounce. They'll peg ten percent of it of every new dollar to gold uh, held in in a vault, audited by whoever, denoted the immutability and veracity on a distributed ledger, and we beat them to the punch. 
and finally go back to sound money, maybe just maybe. So I'm not totally a pessimist. I'm an optimist, I guess, in life, just a little beaten down by what's happened in this country. And if, if I were in charge, the damn first thing I would do would be to find a way to go back to sound money, to fiscal responsibility, and, and, uh, and try to gain some respect back in the international community. And that would be the first way to do it. So anyways, hey, let's hope for the best, right? Prepare. I just want to give a shot. I just want to give a shout out to uh, JP Cortez from the Sound Money Defense League, who literally works on that around the America. And um, also, uh, what I want to say was, um, like you said before, and this were me and him, Daniel, were talking about uh, yesterday was, it's all about action, not about words, not about intention, not about what you want to do or how you feel. It's about action. Actions tell you a better story. And what you tell us and the in the way, if you look at the world, actions tell you that you seem to be more on the side of being right than on the side of being wrong. Yeah, it's a scary thing. And I kind of feel that way too. That's why um, that's why I do what I do, you guys. And uh, But we'll, we'll go through this together and hopefully we'll pick up where we left off uh, uh, in less than two years this time. For and, sure, uh, absolutely. We'll see what happens. Watch the unfolding roll of toilet paper if you will and sooner or later you get to the cardboard in that moment that rubicon happens yeah and uh so let's hope that there's still a good bill good bit of roll left before something breaks but uh, anyways it's been a real pleasure guys and uh i will look forward to picking up where we left off both personally of course uh, dan uh, with you uh, real soon here and and professionally doing another one of these when time permits and uh but i wish you and everyone out there uh well, very much so. And um, just thanks for having me. Andy, thanks so much. Uh, where can the listeners find you guys or find find you personally, like on on on, Insta- on social media or the website and everything? Yeah, so our new website, which has been the most embarrassing experience of my career. Uh, it was supposed to be done in August of last year. We had to switch developers. We fired people, hired people. And this close to launching our new website <clears throat> where you will be able to purchase online. Not there yet, maybe two weeks. Um, we still have milesfranklin.com. You can't purchase online. You won't see prices there. You can send us an email at info at milesfranklin.com. We'll send you an updated price sheet. We won't be undersold in price. Uh, we'll answer any questions you have. If you want to be contacted by myself or someone else, put that in the email. Um, all of my brokers, all 12 of them, 13 of them, literally are some of my dearest, oldest friends, most of which go back to Little League, elementary school, high school. We're a family business all the way down to all the people who work for me are people that I would consider my dearest and closest friends my entire life outside of business. And um, that kind of accentuates who we are and the culture that we, we have. I know that when I'm not there, that the ship is in good hands with people that I would trust my life to. So uh, give a call. We are... When the new website is up, um, we will still be a hybrid model. You can purchase up to maybe 10 grand online, I think we're doing to start. But we'll also be there to develop a relationship because I do believe where we are going, that will be very important. So info at milesfranklin.com for a price list or any questions. Milesfranklin.com for the old site. The new one is fast approaching. And uh it's uh, we'll always get right back to you if you uh, reach out to us, either myself or someone else here who who will follow up on that should be with, uh, you know, just a, a few hours or less. And you'll hear from us. Andy, thanks so much for coming on, man. 
and uh Absolutely. you know keep 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 speaking your truth man that's like the best thing that i've seen and i think it's just a it's it's better to be blunt in this scenario dude mm-hmm. well i i'm i'm honest and i'm sincere and i hope i'm wrong but uh I feel i'm not uh but uh, thank you and i'll look forward to picking up where we left off not too far down the road absolutely and guys thanks so much for listening to the new gen mindset podcast thanks guys take care